Amen. Lord, we thank you for Calvary, what you did for us there. Lord, we thank you for Pentecost, what you did for us there. Lord, we thank you for that special day in an old-fashioned altar, what you did for us there. Lord, we thank you for this church. Thank you for leading Brother Myers here and his precious wife. Lord, we pray that thy hand fall heavy upon this man and this body and this hour in this area. Lord, that you'd show yourself mighty God saving and sanctifying and all that you do, Lord. We ask you to bless this meeting and help us, and we'll love you for it. In Jesus' name, and all the Lord's people said, Thank the Lord. Acts in the ninth chapter, and for a special extra love offerings, after the services, I will tell you stories on your pastor. <laughs> For ex but, it, but it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. You got Maybe just one of them cinnamon buns. That might be all I need. Hallelujah. Brother Myers and his precious wife are very dear to our hearts. And uh, good night. Me and Brother Tory. Of course, y'all met Brother... Dismuke, I believe, yesterday, and uh, together we've been able to be a part of their life. And I'll tell you this, uh, you got one of the finest young preachers in America. Amen. You really do. And his wife is solid gold. You're not going to beat it. And I thank the Lord for it. And it's wonderful. And Brother Jordan, this just feels tremendous. Brother, there's a great spirit yes, yes, in your church, a great spirit in your church. And it's lovely, altogether lovely. Hallelujah. Wonder what the Lord's going to do in this place. My, my, my. I bless his name. Well, take your Bibles, and I want to burden to bring this message tonight, Acts chapter 9. Now, I'm from Georgia, so what is it, 7.30? Good time. It's 11.30 where I live, <laughs> and uh, I'm usually in church every night, but I go to bed. When I was a young man, I could stay up all night and drive all night. Me and Brother Dismuke have done it many a time when we were young men together. But I go to bed now. I'll get up in the morning if I know there's coffee somewhere. Amen. Do y'all make biscuits in Washington? Is there a Hardee's anywhere around? There really? How far away is it? That's encouraging. I'm encouraged already. Hallelujah. I was in Pennsylvania just the other day. They make bagels up there. That was very discouraging. 
Amen. I felt myself slowly becoming a Yankee, and I was, <laughs> I was getting upset. I came back to Georgia and just took a bath in biscuits and gravy. I just filled the bath up and took a bath in it and get all that off of me. <laughs> Amen. I was in Kansas last week. It was just whole wheat. <laughs> healthy. Who wants to be healthy? Dear time, them glorified bodies are going to be a thousand years. Enjoy your cinnamon bun. Amen. They're right back there. I saw them. Does this little bottle mean it got a little sermon? <laughs> oh, God, I appreciate this pastor coming over, starting a church, and I appreciate you supporting your brother and the gospel ministry. We're not all going to dot our I's and cross our T's exactly alike. Now, that don't mean we're going to run with modernists and liberals. We're not going to. We're going to. We're going to get a large pickup truck and back over them. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. But thank God for like-minded brothers yeah, yeah. that are not petty yeah. and not proud. Sure. And will go support sure. another church and Amen. another preacher. Amen. And any man who won't support like-minded brethren has got the word of God. Yeah. Uh, there's either pride there or there's sin. Something's yeah. wrong when preachers don't want to help preachers. And so I, it's, it's a blessing to see y'all, brother. Thank you. Acts chapter 9, if the Lord will help us. And beginning now, Paul, Saul got saved on the Damascus Road. And he was uh, pretty full of vim and vinegar and vitality. He was large and in charge. They say he was not a large man physically, but he had the ambition. You could see it when the devil had him. There he was killing all the Christians. But God saved him, and aren't you glad God saves old sinners? Paul said, I feel like I'm the chief. He said, I am the chief of sinners. And, uh, oh, I love his testimony. You can see it three times in the book of Acts. I think it's chapter 9, maybe chapter 24 and chapter 26. He tells it three times. And the first time it's told, he said, uh, there was a light shining from heaven. Second time he told it, he said, there is a bright light shining from heaven. Third time he said, there is a light shining above the brightness of the firmament. Yeah. Jesus, I'm going to need a little help. I don't know if y'all say amen in Washington or you <laughs> cough up pine cones. I don't know what you do. But uh, I'm going to need a little backup right here. I don't know what huskies do. I'm a bulldog. Y'all are huskies. I don't know what, I don't know what you do. But I'm going to need somebody to agree with me on this. Jesus kept getting bigger to him. I'm not, y'all, like a one to ten, that was a seven. I'm looking for a nine. Of course, I'm probably not a nine, so that, that might be my fault. Let's try that again. He went from telling it that Jesus was a light, and then he said it was a bright light. Then he said it was a light shining above the brightness of the firmament. Yeah. Jesus just kept getting bigger to him. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. Now I know I asked for that, but I'll take it. <laughs> and he kept getting smaller. He, he testified throughout the scriptures. And first time, and it's in the order, 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I am least of the apostles. Then he gets over in Ephesians, and he said, I am less than the least of all saints. And then he gets in Timothy, and he said, all right, I'll just tell you, I'm the chief of sinners. <laughs> now, I'm about to pop a happy bubble and shout up and down your aisle. Jesus kept getting bigger and Paul kept getting smaller. Woo! Isn't that how it goes in our journey? The longer we go with the Lord, we get smaller and he gets bigger. Well, he had to learn some lessons right off the bat. He had to learn some lessons about the ministry. And in Acts 9, look in verse 15, we see, He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Of course, we understand that uh, he was that special apostle as of one born out of due time, the apostle to the Gentiles. There was a little baton passed right here in chapter 9, chapter 10. That net dropped down to Peter. And uh, the thing got, went from the Jew to the Gentile. I'm going to need a little backup here again. Aren't you glad that when he came into his own and his own received him not, that he turned around and said, now just go to the highways and hedges. And it don't matter if they're blind and lame and maimed and strangers and orphans, and, and I'm sorry, the Bible even says bastards that were born out of this thing. Thank God we can get born again into this thing. Thank the Lord that he turned and he said, all right, the ones that were invited didn't want to come in. Now just go out and here's how you get in now. You just want in. <laughs> Whosoever will. Y'all are not looking at a Calvinist, amen. amen. Thank God whosoever will. Well, thank the Lord. So this thing turned to Paul. So verse 20, and I'm skipping verse 16, for I will show him how great things, is everybody looking at verse 16? Turns out I'm not skipping it. <laughs> for I will show him how great things he must enjoy for my name's sake. No? Oh, that must have been my ESV. I thought it was the polo service. Let's try again. For I will show him how great things he must become. So that he could be the most popular with the 10,000 followers on Facebooks and everybody jabbing the like button. I would go on Facebook if it had an unlike button. <laughs> Because I want to punch it a lot. But it don't, so I ain't on there. I was on Facebook for 11 minutes one time. I split three churches, lost 12 meetings, and messed up the family reunion for the following five years. <laughs> and my wife put me up, you're done, you're done, you're done. I said, okay, boy, that was fun, though. My 11 minutes in the sun. Blowed everything, hand grenades everywhere, come on. 
<laughs> For I will show him how great things he must accomplish and, and get your name in all the marquee. Huh? Anybody reading that? No, it's the church age. The Lord wants to give you spiritual treasures in this spiritual kingdom. Cross. Why would he give me all that? That's the only, suffering's the only thing powerful enough to divorce you from this world and plug you into his. <laughs> Nothing else is powerful enough, and we're not, we're not strong enough. He's got he's to drain our weakness with them thorns and them crosses so that we'll just lay there and say, help. And he'll say, be glad to. He'll get down in there with us. That's where he wants to be. I'll show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And then in verse 20, whoop, whoop, the old man's still strong in him. And straightway, <laughs> he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Straightway. Huh. Boy, howdy. Okay, you want me to get them saved? I'll go from killing the church to uh, trying to save all the Jews. Went down to the synagogue, and I want to insert a little something here and hope you say amen. Uh, this business of the gospel going to the Jews first, it already did. Now it's went to the Gentiles the last 2,000 years. Good news, me and you are living right before the second coming. This thing's turning back to the Jews under our very nose. It's where we're at. Straightway. He preached Christ in the synagogue. Well, that was pretty good except for the straightway part. Yeah. He, he, he thought this was going to work. He thought God's economy was going to work like his used to. You need this done? Okay, be back in a minute. <laughs> straightway. Well, he walked right into a bunch of murderous Jews and they had to let him out a window. How did that first campaign go for you, Brother Paul? He learned this, and if you, I see a lot of you taking notes, that's so encouraging. He was going to go right and get this done. Mm. Verse 23. And after that many days were fulfilled, <laughs> isn't that something that God don't mind taking many days? He's not in a hurry. Yeah. Brother Myers gets you some big old prayers. Brother Miller gets you some big old prayers. And, and, and just wait on God and walk with God and do everything that's right in front of you that you need to do, but wait on God to do what he does. He put his son on the earth and he could have fixed the devil, could have fixed the world, could have fixed, could have fixed and he left him in a wood shop for 30 years. The miracle-working incarnate Son of God stayed was a child in his home and then stayed in the wood shop for 20 years. Well, why didn't he fix everything in 10 minutes? Because God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has other people he wants to pull in this. Oh, he knows what he's awaiting on. 
So after that, many days were fulfilled. Where am I? Verse 23. The Jews, let's see how this thing went. He went straightway to go get them all saved. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews all bowed the knee and said, finally, someone explained it. We didn't understand the prophets. We didn't understand the judges. We didn't understand Abraham or Moses, but Paul made it clear, so we're all going to get saved. I'm sorry, that might be my NIV. It's really off. (laughs) What did it say? And uh, after that many days were fulfilled, the Lord answered all Paul's prayers and saved everybody that heard him because that's how it goes. It goes smooth in this thing. Huh? (laughs) The Jews, (laughs) welcome to the ministry, took counsel to kill him. Ain't it good to be on the Lord's side? John 16, they hated me, they're going to hate you. Honey, if your church ever gets popular with the world, if your books ever get to be the number one bestseller on Amazon and Walmart, honey, you might want to find another preacher in another church. If they like you and don't hate you, now that we're not supposed to be hateful to them, they hate us. We're not supposed to be hateful, and, and this is a tough one, independent. But we're not even supposed to be hostile. And you know, a lot of guys kind of, uh, a lot of our Baptist brothers take that thing and, and they act like we're in a political war or, or a physical war and whoever's meanest and loudest can, no, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. God's ways are not our ways. And, and his plan is spelled out in Ephesians and other places. No need to be hostile. I'm not, I'm not trying to save America. Never have. I love America. What a great nation God's gave us. I, I'm, I'm afraid we've lost it to a soft coo. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> But I have news for you. I'm not fighting for America. Jesus didn't die on the cross to save America. He died on the cross to save sinners. Amen. Well, don't you pray for America? Not really. I pray for kings and for all that in authority. And, 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 And I pray really for their salvation. I don't think I can pray for that other stuff. You ever get in Romans 13? He, he, he's talking about when they're righteous and just and good. Yes. Amen. But it ain't for us to turn this government upside down. God's going to turn all the governments upside That's down right. when Jesus comes again. Right. Operate in whatever circumstances you're in. I'm not a pacifist. I, I believe a, we ought to fight for our nation and for freedom and for our children and for their things. But oh, look at this. The Jews took counsel to kill him. Verse 25. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall and God said, blow the trumpet and these walls will come down like the Jericho walls and we'll shout and ascend up over this town. <laughs> no, that ain't what happened. Not all your walls are going to be Jericho walls. 
Not all your campaigns are going to end up in revival. <laughs> Some of them's going to end up in a real solid plot to kill your hide. <laughs> Let's read on. These things are going so swimmingly well. That may be the first time in my life I've ever used that word, brother. I like that word, swimmingly. Verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed, he attempted, to join himself to the disciples. And they all said, we're so glad you got saved. You're our hero. I mean, it's bad enough that the Jews wanted to kill him, so he found his way to the Christians, to the mother church, some love to talk about, in Jerusalem. And they opened their arms and said, praise be on high. A new brother's in our midst. No. <laughs> Boy, isn't it good to be in the ministry. Look at this thing. But they were all afraid of him. Verse 26, and believed not that he was a disciple. Well, let me give you my three points right off the bat. You can't win them all. Three lessons Paul had to learn right off the bat, and they all pointed to a larger lesson that God's going to be God and he's not going to do things man's way. Number one, next to verse 24, we're going to write this. Uh, when them Jews, instead of getting saved, they took counsel to kill him. You can't win everybody. You can't win everybody. He had to learn that. Number two, now Jesus died for everybody, yeah. but, you, but people are, most people are going to spend eternity apart from God because they love their sin, they yeah. love their darkness rather than light. Right. Number two, next to verse 25, they let him down over that wall in a basket. You can't win every battle. Not every wall's a Jericho wall. You can't win every battle. And number three, went down there to Jerusalem to the very disciples. They were all afraid of him. Number three, you can't win every brother. You can't win every brother. Now, y'all want to talk about these three for a moment? Amen. Let's talk about them. Let's see if I can do this in rapid succession. It's almost midnight. I got to go lay down. <laughs> I'm going to lay down on the back pew back there. Y'all carry on. You can't win everybody. Yeah. He had to learn that one, didn't he? Paul didn't win everybody. What about standing there before Felix? Was it Festus or Felix? Felix, the governor. And, and he said, uh, he trembled. It's Acts 26, I think. 25, 26, 27, 26, 25. Read the book of Acts. You'll find <laughs> Felix in there, the governor. And as he reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment, oh, Felix trembled. He trembled. And then he said, when I have a more convenient season, I'll call for you. And what about the apostles? Hey. The apostle to the Gentiles had apostolic power, had anointing beyond belief, 
had the Holy Ghost and had signs and wonders and gifts and, it, and, it, and the old boy's trembling in front of him and he couldn't win him. You flip over to the next chapter or the next page in my Bible, there's King Agrippa. Called him in, I want to hear about this, this way. Well, dear time, Paul must have missed the soul winning seminars. He must have missed the how to draw the net, how to close the deal, how to swallow the pill, how to kick your heel. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little. I was a poet and I didn't even realize it. We must have missed all that on how to, how to finish it out and draw that net. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, couldn't he just get them to agree with three things in Romans and nod their head? One man's trembling yeah. under such conviction, and yet he would not get saved. Yeah. The other man called to hear the gospel. Yeah. Come in here, I want to hear this. And then when he got done, he said, when I have a more convenient season. And he was holding out for a bribe. He wanted some money. He wanted some money. Paul didn't win everybody. He sure, he sure didn't win them Jews, did he? And you know, about his whole life, he had a burden, a natural burden for the Jews, but he had a divine call to the Gentiles. Brother Myers, you're not here... God will burden you from time to time. He'll make your burden heavy. He'll make your burden hot. And then there are days the only burden you'll have is to burn this place down. <laughs> Be like Moses, kill him, God. And God's like, chill out, Moses. These are my covenant people. The next week, God, I'm going to kill them all. And Moses like, Lord, they're your covenant people now. Y'all just better be glad Moses and God never had a bad day the same time. <laughs> you don't operate off of a burden in your heart. You operate off a call and the Holy Ghost. Right. Amen. Amen. What about that? Brother Paul did. Jesus didn't win them all. Just in case somebody, these we got three young pastors in here, and you're not really young, brother, but you're not old. <laughs> and me and Brother Torn is in here, and I don't know who else is in here. Somebody, you pastor, pastor before. Gentlemen, don't ever feel like a failure just because your whole town didn't get saved. Yeah. His town didn't get saved. Yeah. He wept over the city. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This is a mess up Calvinism. When the elect resist <laughs> and go to hell, that a mess up Calvinism. <laughs> when the elect resist and go to hell. He wept over his city. And he even come off of the hill that morning after weeping over the city and he cleaned out the temple. He whipped the money changer, the tables. Well, he wept over his city and he cleaned out his church and they still didn't get saved. Don't think something's wrong with you and don't think something's wrong with God. Something's wrong with sinners. 
Well, when will they get saved? When they get tired of being a sinner. Oh, Jesus didn't win everybody. What about what about the thief on either side? Now, brother, if you thought anybody would have got saved, it'd have been a man hanging about two or three feet from the outstretched, nail-pierced blood of the Lamb, running right under his, right in his, right almost in his face. And he curses and goes to hell. You can even get people all the way to the cross right under the Lord Jesus looking at him, listening to him. One man wanted to be saved and one man didn't. What about that? Jesus missed that that class, that soul winning class, I guess. Y'all ain't helping me. He didn't win everybody. I always amazed at that rich young ruler. Remember him in the middle of the Gospels? Rich young ruler came running to Jesus and fell at his feet. Now, if anybody you think, woo, we're fixing to get one saved. At the feet of Jesus, bowed down, crying out to the Lord, and he left lost. Y'all remember what he said? Can somebody quote it? Preachers, you're not allowed to play. Anybody quote that? He said, what must I I do to be saved? What must I do to have my sins cleansed? What must I do to be reconciled to my creator? Y'all ain't helping me. He wanted what every rich man wants. I want to learn how to live forever. That's why they're looking in microscopes, they're looking in telescopes, they're, they're making artificial intelligence, they're freeze, dry freezing their brains. They're doing all kind of stuff in this space age technology, trying to figure out how to live forever. I'll tell you what he said. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He didn't have nothing to say about his sins or his God. What's a rich man worried about? Inheritance. <laughs> He's afraid you're going to get it. Afraid he ain't going to get it. What must I do to inherit righteousness? Forgiveness? Redemption? Nope. Eternal life. Well, the Lord knew he wasn't interested in getting right with God. He said, let's deal with your problem. Let's get rid of all them riches and then come back and talk to me. And honey, he just turned around, tucked his tail and left. Jesus must have missed that in the soul winning class. (laughs) Help me now. Notice Jesus didn't say a prayer for him. Why shouldn't he try to persuade him to be saved? All he did was tell him, you got a real problem, bud. I missed that one in the seminar. Huh? You didn't, you can't win everybody. Now, let me say a couple things before I move on. Jesus is going to win his city. He's coming back and taking it over. Y'all ain't helping me. 
when he comes back, he's coming back to Jerusalem. Who's going to be with him? Everybody that he saved. Who did he save? Everybody that wanted to be saved. Yeah. I'll be there when he wins his city. I'll be on a white horse right behind him hollering, Yeah! Giddy up, gold, silver, something. Never mind, I'll just be hollering. I'm not sure. I hadn't worked that part out yet. I was going to say hallelujah, but Yahoo came out of my mouth. Yahoo, yippee kayak, glory. Amen. Get some church words in there. Thank you. Hot dog, hot dog, hallelujah. We'll be on a white horse behind the Son of God when the veil is pulled back, and when he takes his city, we'll be there. Isn't that something? And I'm not going to take the time. This is a whole message by itself. Acts 16, I'm not going to turn there. But the Lord wouldn't let Paul go to Bithynia, to Asia Minor, to what's that one place? Mycia, I don't know how to say it. Three places he wouldn't let him go. Where am I going to go, he said. And that night, a man of Macedonia, come over and help us. Let me tell you who you can save. And you get in Acts 18, about verse 6, and he said, For I have much people in this city. Yeah, good, good. Yo, yo. When are you going to figure this thing out? Oh, my. And the Lord said, For I have much people in this city. Let's underline that one. Verse 8, chapter 18. Let's underline that one. Brother Miller's going to need that one, and Brother Myers is going to need that one, and our brother we just met tonight is going to need that one for the, every one of y'all are in a new work for yourself. Acts 18, and it's the end of verse 10. My, my, my. I'm skipping a whole bunch of stuff here. Look in verse 5. Turns out I didn't skip that. He was pressed in the little S spirit and testified to the Jews. <laughs> Y'all in the middle of verse 5? Be careful about what's on your heart. He was pressed in the little S spirit, testified to the Jews. He hadn't yet figured out the program. The gospel went to the Jew first, now it's going to the Gentile. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, then he shook his raiment and said, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go into the Gentiles. Well, good. Who told you to not to? <laughs> Get back on track. He did this three times in the book of Acts. Got back on track. He had a natural burden for the Jews, but he had a divine call to the Gentiles. You, rededication started with our apostle. <laughs> Here comes Paul. Give up on this. Going to the Gentile. Amen. God bless you. Third time. God bless you. So he's fed up with these Jews and said, I'm going to. And oh, look at the end of verse 8. Many of the Corinthians hearing, believe, were baptized. I love the end of verse 10, for I have much people in this city. I'll tell you who you're going to win. You're going to win those to whom the Lord sent you. He sent you here, and you need to tell all of them that Jesus died for all of them. And then you're going to find out who wants him. You know my little simple rule 
for witnessing and helping people get saved. It's the Luke 10, it's the parable of the Samaritan. Whoever got, you remember that man naked and wounded and in the ditch and half dead? The law went by, the priest went by, but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was. I personally believe because I can't win everybody and witness to everybody tonight in Idaho because I ain't in Idaho. Or in Oregon. I'm not in Oregon. Or in Portland or Seattle. I ain't there. I'm in Faircrest. Amen. Where they have cinnamon buns and a rumor that there is biscuits. I don't really believe y'all yet. I'm in Faircrest. He says, well, how come the town isn't in this church? Let me tell you what the Lord's concerned about. The church is in this town. Yeah, that's good. good. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I was having an old boy set up a tent one time in Colorado on the Utah border and down at the fairgrounds and Channel 12 came out. I was a TV preacher for one night. <laughs> there was about t- only 20 of us and, and only two of them wasn't us. <laughs> And they walked in. The, they walked through the crowd, big old cameras and people dragging cables and vans. And they were this tent meeting on the Utah border. And uh, boy, when that camera got to me, I put my best, my Bob Jones music, and mixed it with a little George Jones. And I just right there, <laughs> the camera was right there, boy. Woo! You know, I signed my own Bible after the service. That's how impressed I was. Nobody came. <laughs> she just now got the two Jones brothers. <laughs> you got to get a little George in there with Bob or you're going to kill everybody. Nobody likes opera but Italians. We're not Italians. <laughs> Nobody came to that tent all week. Uh-huh. End of the week, pastor discouraged, and I said to him, you know something? When we all get to the other side and stand at the judgment, the church may not have, the town may not have been in your church, but the church was in your town. Yeah. And you know one of the ways you're going to be a witness? You're going to be a judgment day witness. You know, some, the judge calls for the witness to come to the stand in order to condemn, and, and pardon me, to damn and condemn those that are guilty. One of the biggest ways that we're going to be a witness is on that day. Now, I believe you ought to give a gospel witness everywhere God drops somebody in your path. You can't reach nobody else. You can reach the one within reach. And whoever's in your path that day, that's who the Lord wants you to witnessed it. This morning on the airplane, praise the Lord, had me in the exit row. A little one, woman from India was next to me and, and then a, a Baptist from Atlanta next to her, a good man. And then a real tall woman and she, she was our stewardess and she kept coming in and she had to sit down across from us and it turned out she's from Albania. And your church don't know it, but we we got a lot of mission work in Albania. 
And we got the talking. And the little woman from India had questions. And the woman from Albania, we had a, just a glorious rapport struck up. And the old boy on the end told me later, he said, I used to work for uh, Campus Crusade. And they're not quite us, but they, they, they told people about Jesus. And me and him was tag-teaming up. <laughs> I didn't get to get a strong word in there, but, but I got a little word in yeah. Yeah. and a witness. Yeah. 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 And, uh, oh, my they were the only, I, I couldn't witness to the pilots, never seen them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't witness to people in the back of the plane. Yeah. But I could witness to the people right around me. Yeah. Whoever God puts in your path. Yeah. But on that day, he's going to call many a preacher, many a church, many a Christian, and just like Bible lesson, like John stood there and wit. You can read the end of Revelation. And he looked on at the great white throne judgment. It's a picture of the bride, the church, going to be at the judgment. And one of the greatest ways you'll be a witness. Pastor Dismuke down there in McClenny, Florida, and all over the west side of Jacksonville. Lord's going to say, I need my witness. Pastor Dismuke, stand right here. And he'll look at everybody on the west side of Jacksonville and Baker County. And that's when you'll be a witness. Because you were faithful to be a witness. That's good. Amen. On that day, you'll be the witness. And the Lord appointed you. You want to say a word. And you say, I gave you a preacher. You knew when you drove by that church that time, I tugged at your heart. You knew that month you were under conviction. You knew to get over there. Y'all ain't helping me now. Oh, you can't win everybody, but you can win. Paul said in Corinthians, is it nine? That by all means, I might save some. I'm going to tell you who's going to get saved. Some. Look around, me and you are the some. We're some. I don't believe in election and predestination like the Calvinists believe it. Those are just privileges for saved people. Get saved and you can be elect. Get saved and you can find out your predestination that started right there the moment you got saved. Those are blessings given to every saved person. Well, how do I get saved? Accept the gift. Repent of your sins. Obey the Lord. Amen. When you hear the gospel, believe it and turn. Can you explain faith and repentance? Don't need to. Why do you need to? What is faith? Let's say somebody stood up here tonight and walked down this aisle and came to Christ. Well, there's faith. They must have believed he was here and that he wanted them. There's repentance. When you walk to Christ, you walk away from everything else. Well, you say, what if I didn't? Then you didn't come to Christ. You're still hanging on to whatever. Yes, sir. Well, why does any sinner need to understand faith and repentance? They just need to come to Christ. I need a little help. Uh Uh-huh. I need to understand conviction. You'll be under it. Why else would you have the pressure to come? You can't win everybody, but you can win some. Number two, how y'all doing? Y'all be glad to know I don't have to preach everything to leave happy. (laughs) Just preach enough of it and then leave happy. You can't win every battle. 
What about that? Let's read our verse again, verse 25. And the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. Hey, y'all. That's how we say it in Georgia, like Paula Dean. Hey, y'all. Your Washington Huskies, you. I don't know. I can't. I ain't used to that yet. I wasn't used to this humiliation. Ducking a fight. He always caused the fight. The humiliation of being smuggled out by night and running away. Man, he ran into the fights. He didn't run away from the fights. But when you work for the Lord, uh, the Lord don't cater to your pride. You're right. The Lord doesn't work extra hard to make sure you don't get embarrassed or humiliated. Your pride's the only thing ever mess you up. Anytime I hear, and this is awful, anytime you hear about a sin going into a, a, a preacher, going into deep sin, I can promise you that deep sin wasn't where it started. It's pride. You'd be proud enough, long enough, he'll pull that hedge up and then he'll let you show yourself. That sin never was the original problem. It was that lack of brokenness, lack of humiliation. First John 1, 9 is still in the Bible. If you'll crawl in there, he'll help you. Yeah, Talk yeah. to me. Yeah. He was not used to losing like this. I love recently been studying this. This is an old message, but I've been studying that, that basket. Somebody said, Paul was led into Damascus. Blind. God saved him on the Damascus Road. In my notes, I put, thank God, the Damascus Road led to the Damascus window. (laughs) And the big, large, and in-charge fellow had to learn right away. He was led into town like a child. And he was let out of town by a window. Y'all, when you belong to the Lord, he's going to lead you into some things like a child and let you out in the middle of the night. Thank God the Damascus road led to the Damascus window. And Paul hit the ground running for a little door. Woo! The young pastor, and I ain't going to tell y'all who it is because y'all know him. One of our dear friends, and he's about like right where you two are. Been serving and preparing and been faithful all these years. I commend to both of you for being so faithful all these years. Now God's put you in the ministry. And one of our friends, he took a little church over in the country. And he said, I really don't see myself staying. He's a good boy. But he was talking out of his youth. He said, I really don't see myself staying here long. I have a lot to offer. And this will be maybe the first stepping stone. And he's a real good boy, but I pulled him aside. I said, let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, that's good. I said, this is the biggest deal yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ever in your life. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. may be the biggest thing ever happened in your life. If yeah. you live to be 100 and and see spectacular things, you'll know one day this was the biggest deal. Yeah. Yeah. Good. 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 
that little door. Amen. Woo! You be faithful in little things. After a while, they'll become a big deal. God will give you something large and you won't even know it. <laughs> the little thing got to be a large thing and he'll give you a large thing only after the little thing's a large thing because I'm going to tell you something about the large things. They're just another little thing. <laughs> they are. You get over there and people still people. A pew still a pew. Somebody's got a vacuum of floor. Somebody's got to unlock the door. Come on. I think we hype it up too much in our independent Baptist circles, 20, 30 years, hype it up, and then they get out there and like, yeah, I don't know, they're mean and they're backslide. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> what do we do? I don't know. You're going to get chewed out tomorrow, and they're going to run you off next Saturday. I'm not sure what to tell you. That's, we, may, we may be hyped it up a little too much. <laughs> ah, that's funny, ain't it, y'all? Don't you know how anticlimactic it was when Noah and everybody on the ark, when the storm calmed down? 120 years been geared up for this and then float. What do we do now? Uh, you cook breakfast. You get the big shovel and go see the elephants. And uh, really, again? Yeah, it's your turn. What, what, that ark has just floated. I've, what did it float for a year? I forgot. I read my Bible in the late 80s. It floated a long time. I need to brush up on it again, don't I? Teasing. Sort of teasing. Oh, my. Rather anticlimactic. There he is. Goes into a desert for three years. Between the Damascus Road and the Damascus window was three years in the Arabian Desert. That's why the king of Arabia was running him out. He was starting to convert Arabians as well as Jews. And so the Jews and the Arabs got together to kill him. Sounds like Muslims and Judaizers, don't it? Out to kill us. And try to go down to the church and it's all Catholics. Ah, it's great to be saved, ain't it? Where are we going? I don't know. We're going to hit the ground running in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, I tell you where you're going. You're going into some great years. And it's still going to be slow. Still going to be slow. You can't win every battle. Well, I think I'll close on this. And that Them brothers are waiting on us there, but I don't know if we can get to them. Let's talk about the battle. I'm fixing to dismiss. You can't win every battle. Three things, real quick. You want to write this down? Three things. In these battles, sometimes you hide. Sometimes God will hide you. David, with the whole nation watching, killed Goliath. And then, a couple of pages later in your Bible, spent a few years running in the wilderness, hiding in caves. Well, now hold on. Isn't this our giant slayer? Yeah, what's he doing? I don't know. He's way back here in a cave somewhere hiding, drinking cave water and eating cave bugs. <laughs> I have no idea if there are cave bugs, but children do not eat them. <laughs> Just disclaimer. Sometimes you hide. Elijah, 
I love 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Go, hide thyself. Three and a half years later, 1 Kings 18, verse 3. Go, show thyself. Honey, you better not get them backwards. You'll get yourself killed. When it's time to hide yourself, you better let God hide you. When it's time to kill a giant, run down there in front of everybody and kill the giant. You might ought to take some mental pictures because you're going to be sitting in a cave a long time. You might bring that up again. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Amen. Hand me another cave bug. Kids, don't eat the cave bugs. <laughs> huh? Sometimes you hide. But oh, how precious it is to be hid in his hand. Right. Moses was hid right there. Right under Pharaoh's nose. God hid him in plain sight. Oh, I love that. Pharaoh's down there. Paul is in his staff. Calls in his cabinet. Calls in his generals. There's a Jewish king out there, a Hebrew king. Now, y'all find him and kill him. Oh, bring baby Moses another biscuit. I think he wants another. Y'all go kill. There's a, there's a Hebrew king amongst them. Go kill him. And in the meantime, hand me that baby rattler, Momo's a little grumpy. That's the one he was trying to kill. God made him cuddle him. (laughs) Princess, come in. I found a baby. Can I keep it? Yes, you can. Here, Papa Payroll like that. Papa Payroll like Momo, Momo. Momo, you want another biscuit? Of course he did. He wrote the Ten Commandments. You know the man ate biscuits. (laughs) If he'd ate bagels, it'd been like four suggestions. Did he warn y'all I have several mental disorders? <laughs> Were you properly warned? Yes. Okay, that's good. And I don't want to take any medication unless you got extra. Come on, I'll trade. I got a gout pill, a blood pressure pill. Y'all want to trade? I do drug deals in church with all the old people. Not that you're old, brother. I didn't mean to be looking at you when I said that. Nor these gout. They're not old either. That's right. They're young. That guy in the back, he's old. Look at him. Sometimes you hide you. Three little things right there. Sometimes you hide. Sometimes you hurt. Sometimes you just hurt. Paul, take this thorn from... No. No, you'd have an issue with pride if I didn't let the messenger of Satan buffet you. You reckon that might have something to do with his preacher boy, his pet? His pet... Timothy, what did he tell? This is a sign and wonder working apostolic man. I personally believe that he even died and went to paradise and came back. I believe he died under that rock pile. I knew a man in Christ, head in the body, out of the body, I cannot have, but 14 years ago, such a one caught up into paradise. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12, it says he's talking about himself and his own preacher boy. What did he tell him? Take a little medicine. If I'm Timothy, I'm like, how about I take a big miracle? (laughs) I don't want to take a medicine. Give me one of them miracles. Everybody in the world getting healed by you, and I'm your pet. Take a little medicine. You're going to live with this sickness. 
Hmm. Really? Why? Oh, it may have something to do with what Paul learned when God said, no, you're going to live with this thorn. Might have something to do when Jesus prayed, let this cup, Pat, no, it's your cup. Sometimes you hurt. And I'll tell you this about the Lord. He may hurt you, but he'll never harm you. Amen. Amen. And that thorn is saving you from your pride and that cup saving the world from their sin. And that medicine was probably saving him from backsliding. Probably gave him a prayer life. Timothy. Lastly, come to the piano, sister, and softly play. Sometimes you hide. Sometimes you hurt. Sometimes you hold. Sometimes God will just put you on hold. Mm. My, my, my. Let's ask Joshua how he felt about waiting 40 years. How's that 40 years feel, Joshua? You would have been good if everybody hadn't messed up. You could have come right on in. David, I know you got anointed way back there and you killed a giant. How many years before you actually went to Jerusalem. Sometimes you hold. I want everybody to take your Bible. I hadn't made you work hard. Go to Isaiah 30, verse 18. We'll close on this. You can't win everybody. You can't win every battle. Sometimes you hide. It's not time for the will of God to be shown yet. Sometimes your hurt be the best thing in the long run. Sometimes you hold. We flew into Seattle today, and I got to see Seattle sideways. We came in, and I seen mountains. I thought I looked way down there and seen crazy people in the streets. <laughs> you know, that's right. But we didn't just come right in and land. We came in and we got put on a holding pattern for a minute. And we and we actually went sideways. I like, okay, that that's enough. <laughs> Circled a couple times. And then came in. I I I fly out of Atlanta because we're near Georgia, we're near it. And you talk about a holding pattern. It's the busiest airport in the world, they say, on a daily volume. Some of your other larger cities have two or three airports. And that hub in the south. And when you come in, there's a lot of planes in the air. We got on the holding pattern there one time, 25 minutes. Somebody said, just land it. I said, ignore this nut in my head. I said that. Folks, there's a control tower that can see more than we can see. So, about to have a happy bubble. Somebody's in the control tower and they know that this one don't need to crash this one and that one needs to come in. They're running low on fuel and you need to wait a little bit because this one's having an emergency. Are y'all in Isaiah 30? 
Give me that first line, some, one of you men on the front. Can't remember how it goes. Therefore will the Lord wait. Now look at the last line. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Does it say, blessed are all they that what? Wait for him. Huh. What are you doing at the end of a verse waiting on God? Why does God got you in a holding pattern? I'll tell you why. Because God's waiting. What's he waiting on? He's waiting on things to clear up so you don't crash in yeah. midair. He's waiting on things to clear up so you don't have a collision on the runway. He might be waiting so somebody with an emergency can get their life saved. You'll be all right for 10 more minutes. There's four reasons. Give them to me real quick. What's the first one, Pastor Myers? He may be gracious unto you. Oh, you mean that God may have me in a holding pattern because there's some things he wants to give me grace? Yeah. What would be the second one? Oh, you mean God will get the glory if you'll just hold on? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Woo, third one. That he may have mercy upon you. Oh, my. You mean if God was to answer all your prayers right now and straightway land your plane, that you might be in a real mess and he's being merciful? Y'all know, y'all know there's this vast significant difference in grace and mercy. And neither me nor anybody here could explain all that. But grace has given you things from his hand that you don't deserve. And mercy is him withholding things from you that you do deserve. And it's kind of like mercy is what pulled you out of hell, but grace is what gave you heaven. Mercy did not give you judgment. Grace gave you blessings. What's the fourth reason that the Lord might be waiting? The Lord is a God of judgment. Oh, he's going to judge some things. If you'll just wait, he's going to right some wrongs. There'll be some vindication and validation. And he'll make sure you don't gloat about it. You'll have your heart in a place to where you won't rejoice over your enemy in the day of his calamity. But he'll still fix it. And vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And if you'll quit trying to straightway God and straightway your life, quit trying to fix other people and fix your own problems that you can't. He's the one who gave you them problems. He's going to judge some things. You don't win every battle sometimes. Sometimes he just lets you out in the middle of the night and you go and wait a long time before good things happen. Sometimes you're on hold. But he's running control tower. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad he's running the control tower? I've been up here almost one hour. Y'all doing all right? You want to hear a Lester Roloff story? Any of y'all heard that preacher's name, Lester Roloff? Okay, I figured y'all had. Do you know they got his last words on recording? Do you need that? Isn't that lovely? That great old preacher, he's one of my favorites. 
flying that little plane out of Waco. He always did. Had the, was it the Honeybee Quartet he had with him in two or three? Took off that day. Got in a bad storm. Died that day. Well, he didn't die. He went to heaven that day. They got his last words on that recording on that control tower. He said, control tower, control tower. This is the preacher. He flew out of there so much they knew him. Control tower said, in their official language somewhere or another, we've got you, preacher. What do you need? He said, I'm in an awful storm and I'm requesting permission to go up a little higher. That was the last word. <laughs> Woo, one of these days we're getting out of our storm. Amen. Go a little higher. <laughs> Some preacher went to the airport, went to control to, and got that recording. Shared it with the other preachers. I'm glad somebody's in control tower. Control tower takes your mom on home and leaves you here. Just wait on him. He's going to be gracious. He's going to have mercy. He's going to get glory. And he's going to judge some things. And then we'll all go a little higher and we'll have a thousand years with our loved ones. I bless the Lord. Thank you for your kindness tonight. Thank you for your patience. Thank God for a wonderful, wonderful spirit in here. It's a Berean spirit. It's a precious spirit. You'll be able to stay, live here a long time and do a lot with God right here. You better believe it, son. You ought not be discouraged about not one thing. Amen. This is wonderful. It's wonderful, isn't it, Pastor? It's so wonderful in here. If y'all will get with this Joshua over here and hold his hands up. I've been, I've been watching this boy his whole life. He's 30. I can't call him a boy no more. Hallelujah. One of my preachers, Brother Larry Turbifield, and ordained Brother Turbifield and Brother Dismuke the same week, along with Brother Norman and Brother Thomas. One of my preachers went up to Maryland, started his church. I'd go up there with him a lot. We'd knocking on doors, just telling people. And I knocked on a door up in the hillside of Brunswick, Maryland, an apartment complex. Knocked on the bottom door. And a little old smiling kid come to the door and look at <laughs> And his mom and them had been looking for a good church, waiting on a good church. I got to watch your pastor grow up. 
He nearly got kicked out of the Christian schools twice a year, every year. It was I knew God was going to do something with him. It was great to behold. I'm telling y'all, for extra love offering, I got free stories all night long. I tell you this, there's 20 young men started together. Ain't but two or three of them going, and he's still going. You got one of the greatest young preachers that I know. The Lord lets me preach in about 30 states. And y'all got one of the greatest young preachers that I know. I ain't telling y'all that. I wouldn't tell you that if it wasn't true. I'd go get a cinnamon bun and say, yeah, he's a feller. (laughs) I mean, if you're going to lie, don't do it at church. I can't lie to y'all at church. My wife says, how's this dress look? That's when I lie. Beautiful, wonderful, perfect. No matter what it looks like. Ain't this a pretty baby? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Let's, let's step outside church and talk about the baby. Yeah, lovely. Like a bullfrog raisin. I don't know. <laughs> Y'all got one of the greatest young men. I've been watching him a long time. And what the Lord can do in this place. Let's get all that straight way out of you. It rares up in me from time to time. I'll fix this. I'll do this. Let's all stand. Would you like to come pray? You can play out loud. I don't think we need to sing. Just play out loud. Y'all want to come around and let's pray on this? Thank you, Lord. Thank you.